Well, as Pete mentioned, I do get to preach this morning. It's just a, let's just say I get to, it, I, I like to think we're just in a living room right now. You're in my living room. You're taking up a few extra couch chairs, but we're just in my living room this morning. And so it's a great opportunity for me to be able to hang out with you guys and, and also uh, give you my uh, I'm grateful and thankful speech as well for this holiday and this opportunity we get to be thankful. It's, it is something that's pretty uni- unique to our country. It's, it, it's just funny, though, how we turned a situation that was almost dire for the pilgrims where they nearly starved to death to where now we eat so much that we can hardly see straight. And I, I haven't eaten, I got to tell you, I haven't eaten in a couple hours. And so... My body is going through shock right now, so if anybody has a turkey leg with them or anything, please, please let me know because my blood sugar is starting to get a little wacky. So, And it is that holiday season where kind of things start to fill up. When we start to get busy, the shopping, you know. Anybody experience the Black Friday experience? You can go ahead. It's okay. It's church. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. So there was a few of you. It, it's, I just couldn't imagine that. We, we actually had some people in town. We, we drove up to Sedona, and we kind of did a hike up there, and so we just got away from it all. But it turned out there was about 4 million people up in Sedona. So, <laughs> so we somewhat got away from it. And so I do want to just have a moment of silence for all the Wildcat fans today. <laughs> I, I can sense that was a Sun Devil fan. I just, I'm just sensing that. Also, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, let's, why do we just love to see them get beat? I don't know what it is, but, but the statistics say that the only time they've won national championships is when they lost one game, so this could be crazy. Well, enough about Thanksgiving, enough about shopping, enough about football. Let's get into the Word. Let me pray. And um, I'm just going to share a real simple passage of Scripture for you. I think sometimes this time of year we get so busy with a lot of stuff. I just want you to walk out of here with one thought today. And so we'll make it real easy for you. So let's pray and give this time to the Lord. Lord, we are truly thankful people. Um, thankful for all that you have done for us as we hear these testimonies of those that have come to know you, those who have proclaimed you as their Savior. Lord, you have given us life. You have taken us from death to life. You've taken us from being blind to now being able to see. And Lord, thank you almost seems so small, yet Lord, we are. And so Lord, we give you all the praise for the work that you're doing in our midst. And, and Lord, I pray for this message today. As, as Pete said, I pray that this word would be accompanied by your spirit so that it would reach each and every one of us where we're at today. And perhaps just draw us a little bit closer to you, um, Lord, because that's uh, really your desires to see us grow deeper in love with you. So Lord, may it be your words that are heard this morning and not mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, keeping up with our thankfulness theme, I am very thankful for this book. This is a book that um, is probably, uh, it's unlike any other book. It's the, it's, a, it's the bestseller book of all history. It's the Bible. And I'm so thankful for it because it orients me. It brings me back to some point of center. It brings me some point of focus, comfort, peace. It's, it's something that I like to go to from time to time, probably not as often as I ought to, and I'm not sure if any of you can, uh, uh, you know, feel that pain with me a little bit, but this is a great book. It's a book that does um, 
point me back to the truth. You know, apart from this book, apart from worshiping with you on weekends, and apart from studying it throughout the, the week in groups, apart from praying, just apart from being in fellowship with the Lord, I find myself drifting from time to time. I find myself drifting away from my Christian journey. And what I've learned back, if I go back to my old life in, in the business world, in businesses, you're, you're, you're either growing or you're shrinking. You're, you're never at a point of just stop. There's a point in economics that they talk about, this point of equilibrium. And this point of equilibrium is just a transition point. It may be a point in time, but you're always either growing as a business or you're not growing as a business. And what I find as a Christian, I find myself sometimes where I'm growing as a Christian and sometimes when I'm not growing as a Christian. And so I tend to drift, and I, I try to figure out why it is that I drift, why it is that I wander, why it is that I, I'm challenged from time to time. And, and sometimes it's a crisis, sometimes it's a circumstance, sometimes it's a gentle nudge from my wife, sometimes it's a gentle nudge from someone here that drifts me back into alignment. And so I'm very thankful for this book because that's what it does for us. But see, drifting is a big deal. Yeah, whether you're flying, whether you're sailing, whether you're riding a bike, whether you're on a, a trail that you're, you're, you're trying to stay on, a drift can lead you places that you didn't intend to be. All of a sudden, one day you may wake up and you go, oh my word, how did I end up here? And it just started with a slow drift. And so I wanted to share with you a quick story that maybe illustrates this in a somewhat humorous way from a true story that was um, just happened, uh, let's see, April of 2016. And so most of you know, or most of you don't, maybe not know, I'm Canadian. And so this story, I heard a whistle. So we have the Sun Devil fan and we have a Canadian here today. <laughs> Any other Canadians, by the way? Yes. Oh, Canada, our home and native land. True patriot love and all thy sons command, yes. And so Canadians are actually missionaries to the Americas. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so this is a story um, from April of 2016. And with all the crazy stuff we have going on in the news, why don't these news stories make the headlines? And so let me read for you. It says, Canadian first responders had to provide a significant amount of on-water emergency assistance this weekend when officials said about 1,500 U.S. citizens were blown into their northern neighbor's territory. The participants were taking part in the annual Port Huron, Michigan float down on Saturday, which saw them, surprisingly, many reportedly intoxicated, <laughs> accidentally float into foreign waters. A burst of rain and high winds prompted hundreds of event participants to seek shelter ashore in Sarnia, where they were assisted by the Canadian Border Services Agency, Sarnia Police, and the Canadian Red Cross. Carol Launderville, a spokesman for the Canadian Coast Guard, said that several vessels were involved in fishing the American floaters out of the river. Supposedly, they'd come in rafts, they'd come in other flotation devices, and there were even some elaborate flotation devices that had picnic tables on them. So you can just imagine the scene, these floaters being carried into international waters. Speaking to CBC News, Peter Garapek of the Canadian Coast Guard said, there were people in places you'd never think something would float, but there were Americans everywhere. <laughs> some thought it was because of the election. 
But they were terrified, the Americans were, of entering another country without documentation. You see, no one carries any passport or identification when you're drinking a lot of alcohol. <laughs> but as the Canadians do, we rescue the Americans from time to time. And under police escort, the U.S. citizens were bused back to the south side of the border. Local police said on a Twitter feed, repeatedly referred to the individuals as floaters, which I thought was kind of interesting. So drifting can be a problem, whether you're intoxicated or not. And so I share with that story with you to show just how far you can get away from where you intended to be. What, what began as just kind of a gentle flow down the river turned into the Gilligan's Island three-hour tour in which they found them in a place that they didn't intend to be in. You know, I think the writers of this book, this book that orients me, knew that drifting was going to be a problem for us knew it was going to be a problem 2,000 years ago and knew it was going to be a drifting problem today. And the main passage of Scripture I'm going to share with you today is from the book of Hebrews. And if you want to turn there right now, it's, it's near the back of the Bible, and so it's probably easier if you're a flipper to start from Revelations and go back, but you'll find the book of Hebrews. And it's a verse, it's real simple. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to read it for you. And it's going to be something that I think you want to keep close to you. It's, it's, it's one of those verses that you'll uh, respond back to from time to time. It's one of those verses that you might want to put up on a mirror or just in your car, somewhere that it's just a gentle, simple reminder. And it's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And I'm going to focus on that word drift as I have already this morning. That word drift literally means to be carried away. It means to be loosened from your moorings. And for those of you who are, are nautical people, moorings are these big poles that are driven deep into the bedrock that secure ships to a harbor, to a dock. And yet when a ship runs loose of their moorings, it begins to drift. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we think our lives are more like this pool right here where we have a big flotation device and we're just kind of hanging out in that pool and we're just floating, enjoying the sun, enjoying the day. But our Christian journey is really more like a river. We are being moved along. Things are moving us along. Culture is moving us along. Life is moving us along. And before we know it, this drift has taken us to places that we didn't intend to be. It's taken us into situations we never dreamed we would be in. We are intoxicated Americans ending up on the shores of the great land of Canada. We just don't recognize that we're leading there because it's kind of a drift that sometimes is slow, but sometimes it gets a little harried. And I think the writers of this Bible knew that we would be prone to drift. It's filled with stories of drifting, and the, the tricky part is it starts right at the beginning of the Bible where we're placed into the garden in Adam and Eve, and we're told we can have run of the whole place, but God just didn't want us to touch this one particular tree. We had dominion over the entire earth. We had just a great opportunity to live lives really, really special but we were just wandered a little bit and we wandered into this tree and it set us on this course of history to where we read story and story and story in this book about people who have drifted. And I think it must have been important then as it is now. And what's funny is we follow the exact same cycle that the people in this Bible would follow. 
they would begin to find Jesus and they would follow him. And then eventually they'd, they'd say this thing that most of us say from time to time as, as they go, okay, I got this. I got it figured out. And then what happens is we slowly drift along, slowly drift along, really in rebellion to what we know Christ is all about, and then crisis hits. And then a circumstance hits that causes us to go, turn around and look for that dock, look for what we ought to have been moored to initially. And we find ourselves in a panic situation, a crisis situation, and, and it's... I've been there, and I'm certainly every one of you have been there as well. And so they, they knew this. They knew this, and that's why this passage of Scripture where it says, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So I guess the question we have to ask today, and what my encouragement to us is, how do we keep from drifting? How do we keep from drifting? And to go right back to this passage, it says, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. And it's kind of that age-old message. I, I wish I had something more crazy and more dynamic that I could share with you, but I just don't. And it's what this book has been all about since the beginning of time. It's telling us to remember God, remember how he's provided for you. For those of us who are believers, remember how he's redeemed your life. You know, the apostle Paul would spend almost every single epistle in this book, every single letter that he would write, he would begin with, at some point in time in his letter, to say, you've forgotten the gospel. You've forgotten that Jesus Christ lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. You've added something to it. You've taken away from it. You keep saying, I got this, but I'm here to tell you it's the gospel. It's the gospel and everything that comes along with it. This great power, this Holy Spirit that now lives in us through the gospel. We're supposed to pay a close attention, pay much closer attention to what we've heard. And so it's almost like a consultant in a business. So in my old business life, we used to hire these consultants that would come to our company. And they would, we would pay them lots of money. And you know what they'd tell us? They'd tell us stuff we already knew. They'd say, you, you need to provide great customer service. You need to provide a quality product. And we we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I know this. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul would tell us over and over again. Don't forget the gospel. Don't forget that it's Jesus Christ who you follow. It's not you. Don't add to it. Don't take away. It's not about us. Yet we continue to drift, and we continue to drift without urgency. We tend to think, well, I can get back to the Lord tomorrow. I'm not in crisis now, and I, I can wear my Christianity more as an accessory Perhaps it's something I wear around my neck, but it's not something that I wear deep inside of me that I actually live day to day. But it's when that crisis hits or when the circumstance hits that causes us to reach back to something to hold on to. And we as believers, it's very simple. We go back to the gospel. For those of you who don't know Jesus, perhaps it's your first time in church, what do you grab onto? you continue to grab onto the things that have probably led you to the place you're in today. And so we have this simple message of we're supposed to pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Now I want you to see if there's any connection to the words that Paul would write in 2 Timothy. And if you want to find 2 Timothy, it's real close to Hebrews. You just go to your left a little bit and you'll run into 2 Timothy. Now this is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul nearing the end of his life. But this is what always cracks me up. 
when I go back to this book and I read stuff and stuff just jumps out at me, I go, oh my goodness, you wrote this 2,000 years ago and it's still applicable today. And so listen carefully and see if you see any connection. I know it's going to seem really remote, but just see if you see any connection in 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And now if you found it in your Bible, it's great. If not, we have it on the screen here. And so I want to read for, the, read, for the, read for you this. And maybe just have a checklist and, and see if there's anything here that might apply to our lives today. So this is the Apostle Paul saying. He says, but understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Paul says to avoid such people. Now, it'd be real easy to point to somebody else and say, oh, I know someone exactly like that. The problem is he's talking to us. He's talking to believers. And essentially, we've become lovers of self. And what we do in our justifying type of way is we do begin to create standards in which we compare ourselves to someone else. We go, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. And yet all we're doing is fooling ourselves and we continue to drift away. Essentially, we've become lovers of self, and that's one of the big problems in our lives that we wrestle with is we want to make sure we're taken care of, that we go, I got this. Paul would go on to say further in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is what we do when we begin to run into maybe a little bit of turbulent waters to where maybe we're thinking, do I need to draw back to the Lord? Listen to what we do at this point in time. So 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We go so far as then, once the, the answers aren't exactly what we want, we go out and find teachers. We go out and find friends. We go out and find counsel who will tell us what we want to hear, as opposed to going back to what we heard, that we must draw much closer to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. We continue to fight this thing to the end where we go, I got this, I got this, I got this, all the way up into the point where we say, I don't got this. And when we get to that point, what are we turning to? And so again, I say just have this simple message of it says we must return back to what we've heard. The author of Hebrews reminds us to pay closer attention to what we've heard. It's the gospel that Jesus lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. And with it comes promises in this book that he will never leave you. He will love you. He will draw near to you when you draw near to him. Yet we still have times of drifting. And so really what our, 
our, our question we have to answer today or, or what we want to be aware of is that our lives today is really about managing our drifts. Because here's the good news and here's the bad news is we are all going to continue to drift. You know, when we accepted the Lord as our Lord and Savior, we weren't immediately taken up to the mothership and reunited with the Lord. We are left on this earth, and we have this war that goes on with ourselves. We become these lovers of self. So life is about managing our drifts. We don't want to drift too long, and we want to be aware of our drift and be aware when we're drifting. That's why we gather together on the weekends. That's why we gather in homes. That's why we, we have other people that uh, weigh into our lives and help us to understand when we're drifting. You know, a quick confession. This is church, and, you know, we're supposed to confess things. And so two quick stories for me about a drift that I have been on and have been on. Um, this summer, or sorry, this winter, I got to go hunting with my son, Hayden. And we were up in Flagstaff in some remote area. And it's so nice because it's so dark at night, and you can see things very clearly. And it's, it's very cold, and so we're just... I'm just trying to huddle and stay warm in case I do die in the middle of the night. I die in a good position. That's my thing. I really want to die in a good position. I don't want to die in an embarrassing position. So I'm dying in this position, and I'm looking up, because I think you should have your arms crossed as you're dying. But I'm looking up at the stars, and something crazy happens at that moment. And I've looked at the stars a thousand times. And maybe it's because I live in the city now and I don't get to see the stars quite like you do when you're out in the wilderness where it's completely dark and you get a full gasp of the heavens. And in a moment's time, it seemed as if I saw every sin that I've ever committed fall down upon me. Every word that I wish I'd never said, any, every thought that I wish I'd never had, any action that I had done in my life, I saw flash before my eyes. And it was only through my drawing near to the Lord because I see the heavens, as it says in Psalms, declare the glory of the Lord. In my relative closeness to the Lord did I realize just how really insignificant I was, that really I don't got this. The second story is, is one that I think pastors fall into traps too. I know Jamie has spoken about it, and I find myself there a lot. You know, I meet with people all the time. I'm, I'm always in this book. I'm, I'm reading scripture, if not every day, just about every day. I am praying, if not once or twice a day, many times a day. I am with other believers all the time. I am, I am wrestling with the truth with people. I'm in school and class and seminary where I'm being challenged about this book. And yet I find myself drifting and I go, why is it that I'm drifting? And what I come to the conclusion is I'm not in this book for me. I'm not in my prayer time for me. I'm in this book for you and I'm in my prayer time for you. And God's there whispering to me saying, I want you to fellowship with me. I want to fellowship with you. And I find myself trapped and thinking, I'm with the Lord. In reality, I'm drifting. And so I see my insignificance through the heavens, and then I experience it face to face when I'm being tricked to think I'm drawing near to the Lord. And yet, I'm drifting. 
So how do we stop drifting? How do we stop drifting? And it's really just our main point today. So I've got this one verse that I want you to take home. I want you to stick someplace, and then I want you to remember this great promise that's found in James chapter 4, verse 8. God's is conditional. God's love is conditional in one aspect. It says we are to draw near to him, and then he will draw near to us. So he's there, much like we heard in this story of Carrie where the Lord was wanting her to come back. An earthly father was wanting her to come back, but she had to draw near to him first. So we draw near, we fix our eyes, we long for him daily. We pull this book off the shelf. This isn't a book that just works as an accessory that we carry to church, and then we go home and put it on that same counter until the next weekend rolls around. And here's my encouragement to you is we don't do it alone. I think there's nothing wrong with spending time with the Lord alone. I think we ought to do that, but you don't have to do it alone. There's other people that are on this same journey as you, and that's why we have these studies that meet throughout the week. It's why we have groups that meet in homes. It's, it's why we get together, and we look at this world. We, we, we wrestle with it. We ask ourselves questions about it. We investigate it. We're encouraged by it. We're challenged by it. So we don't have to do it alone. It's really going back to this drifting story that we started with. It's what are you anchoring yourself in? Because here's the promise and the guarantee, is some of you are in the midst of a storm right now. And some of you are really adrift right now. And those of us who know Jesus, you know where my anchor is found. And you're just being reminded today, you're being poked just a little bit to restore that relationship with Jesus. And that's a good thing today. But then there's some of you that are in a storm and you don't know Jesus. And you're putting your faith and you're putting your trust, you're anchoring into something that will always move. The world will always move. You'll never make enough money. There's not a drug that can get you high enough. There's not anything of this world that is gonna secure you to the truth other than Jesus. And then maybe you're not in a storm. Maybe you've just gone through a great Thanksgiving holiday and you are, have so much to be thankful for. Your kids are walking straight. Your spouse is being so good to you. You know you're gonna get the present you want in just less than a month. Here's the promise. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming in your life, whether it's going to be self-inflicted or whether it's just going to be circumstantial. Something is coming. And so my challenge to us today is let's not be caught drifting, that we go back and pay much closer to what we have heard. And so my hope today is this message has just reminded us again as the consultants do in business, they simply tell you what you already know. And it's an encouragement from a guy who says, I'm in the word a lot, but yet I drift. I'm around a lot of good and holy people all the time, and I'm reminded of that, but I drift. And I can't imagine we are any different than that. And so as I close, I, I want you to join with me as we really sing a song of response. And so I'm going to invite Sarah back up here in the band, and I'm going to pray. And it's a song that really is simple. It's a simple song that, that 
reminds us that we're to pay much more attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. And so let me pray. And I'm going to pray for those of us who are in the storm, and I'm going to pray for those who are not in a storm, and I'm going to pray for those of us who are ready to go into the storm as well. And then we'll join together and sing as a family as a response to this Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we are prone to wander. Lord, all of us are prone to wander. Lord, those of us who know you, know the truth, we, we, we know it so well sometimes that we just think we've got this and we don't need it. And yet, Lord, we are prone to wander. We are prone to drift away. And before we know it, we find ourselves in places that we never intended to be. And Lord, I pray that this message has helped us for those that are in that spot where they never intended to be, they're in the storm, that they're reminded again that you love them, you're welcoming them back today with open arms. And Lord, for those of us who have just begun a slow drift, Lord, may we be reminded that we are only to be anchored in you and nothing of this world. Don't let anyone or anything fool us to think that we can anchor into anything else. And Lord, for those of us who are just in a good spot right now, boy, we give you all thanks. We're grateful people. But Lord, we know that these moments in time don't last forever. And so, Lord, let us not be caught drifting. Let us rest in you. Let us remember what we have heard, that Jesus, you lived, you died, and you rose from the dead for us. And with that comes all the rest of the promises that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy, that your, your commands to us weren't meant to, to, to enslave us, but were to give us freedom. So Lord, there's countless promises that we now remember and we recall when we draw near to what we have heard. And Lord, we need to draw near to you. And so Lord, we do that right now. And as a family, Lord, I pray that we would sing these simple words in which we proclaim who it is we're drawing near to. Lord, we thank you for this precious time we have together as family. And Lord, I thank you for this precious family that I get to lead and shepherd. Um, may you continually uh, do good work in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.